Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe Podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. Hello, my beautiful friend. I am so excited for you to jump into today's episode. I have the amazing Jamie Joslyn King here with me, aka The Slay Coach. And I'm super pumped for everything she is going to share with you today because it is gold. Jamie is a marketing coach and business mentor for high-achieving female entrepreneurs. She's helped hundreds of women build six-figure companies and really rock their message and brand. Jamie is the founder of the Chardonnay and Slay Your Business Networking Series, which is now on undergoing a rebrand as the Slady Boss Social Club. And she's also the host and founder of the Summit of Slay. Jamie also has an amazing podcast, so be sure to check it out, called Slady Boss Radio. And she is just rocking it with helping people really scale their business and rock their message and brand in a really unique and fun way. And I'm super excited for everything she's going to share in this episode with you on how you can really take your business, your income, and your life to a whole nother level. So without further ado, let's welcome Jamie onto the show. Welcome, Jamie. I'm so excited to have you here. I cannot wait for you to share your gold with us today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive in with you. And, you know, I'm so glad we connected this year. I mean, we've been connected for a while, but not like like this. And this just feels so good. And I'm so happy to be with your people. Yeah, it's been awesome. I literally, I don't even remember when I first met you in the online space, but it's been at least a couple of years And it's cool to see how much your brand has grown and and shifted along the whole way. It's super exciting. And you have like such a powerful presence. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel so connected to you. I feel so similar in the the authenticity that you bring to the table. And also in the spiritual community, kind of standing out and being your own person and your own brand. It's really, I think, why I was connected to like, I was like, we need to be friends. Me and this girl are close <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And even you have your cool colored hair, which I used to do, which I need to get back to. <laughs> you know, it goes, I was blonde last year for the first time in like three or four years. I did a three month blonde period because I got, I wanted to take the summer off and go like, just be in the water and colored hair with water doesn't always mm-hmm. like sit well. So I went back blonde for a bit. So. <laughs> I'm sure you can rock any color. <laughs> So I would love to like open it up with a little bit of your story. Not you don't need to go into your life story, but like what led you to doing the work that you're doing with entrepreneurs today and like really helping mostly women entrepreneurs, I'm assuming you're you're working with, like really uh up level their business, their income, their their work um in the online space. 
Yeah, this is such, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it into a nutshell version of it, but I was actually writing, it's so funny like that we're talking about this now, but I was writing kind of a post about this yesterday um, that I haven't shared yet publicly, but I actually got my first taste of making my own money when I was, um, I guess, whenever I developed language and understanding of what money was, but I had been making my own money since I was a baby. So I was a baby model. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And my, my parents were really financially not okay. Like we had like to take a calculator to the grocery store. Um, but my mom worked for, she worked like three jobs. And one of her jobs was at a photography studio that did um, a lot of catalog print work for like JCPenney, Sears, um, service merchandise, Circuit City, um, Toys R Us. And so they used, instead of using they used a local agency and I worked within that agency and I always did these photo shoots from newborn. I think I was like six weeks old or something at my first photo shoot and they paid me as a person. Obviously I didn't know about that until I was a little older, but I bought my first swing set with my own money when I was like four or five years old. Wow. And it was like several hundred dollars. And I remember thinking that that was so cool because we didn't have like all my toys were like donated through my mom's work which were the toys that were shot for the print catalog. And so like Christmas was all like the donated toys. I didn't know that, but like we couldn't just go to the store and buy stuff when I was super young. So for me to be able to understand money and utilizing, my mom made it clear that this is your money, even though she was probably drowning, not able to like go to the grocery store without taking a calculator. And financially she still put that num like that money aside for me as if I had done all the work to earn it myself, even though I was like just a baby chilling in a car seat or something. <laughs> so I did that for like seven years and my mom was so great at teaching me about that. Even though we didn't have a lot, she taught me my, my own power that I had earned this. Wow. And so from from then on, I was the kid that made jewelry and sold it at school. I did the lemonade stands. I would like try and sell all my toys every time my mom had a yard sound, like what can I get for this? <laughs> so I was trying to just, I understood money really early on. I understood we didn't have it, but I understood that I could go get it. And that was mm. a lesson that was so valuable that was taught from my family. So I do, I did have a lot of money trauma about thinking that money was hard, but I learned that I could go earn it. Mm -hmm. So at 16, I mean, I played basketball, I'll keep the story short, but like I played sports. And so I thought my destination was going to be college division one basketball. The WNBA had just started. I thought I was going to be one of the first, you know, in my state to be a WNBA player. And that was my path. And so the only reason I saw myself going to college was so that I could play for Pat Summit at Tennessee and then go on to play in the WNBA. Cause that's like the path that you took. And then when I was 16, I had spinal surgery and I, wow. I had like three fourths of my spine fused. So I had scoliosis. I wore a brace for five years. Um, but once I couldn't like physically move and couldn't play any sports for at least a whole year, like basketball was kind of thrown out the window for me. Mm. And I was like, well, that was the only reason I was going to college. So why the fuck would I, why would I go to college now? Mm. <laughs> and I went from being like a straight A honor roll, advanced placement, all the hard classes student to being like barely graduating, barely passing the grade level. Like I got, like I failed. Remember I failed junior English. It was the first class my whole life I'd ever failed. I was like, it's fine. I'll take it this summer. And I did like a home study summer course. And then I barely passed like chemistry with like a D minus. <laughs> wow. And 
and my teachers were like, what the fuck happened to you? You're this like really smart kid who decided to downgrade all our classes to the normal classes. And now you're barely passing the normal classes. And I was like, I don't want to go to college. I think it's dumb. <laughs> Cause I didn't have anything that I wanted to go for. I was I mean, like, I, I want to work. <laughs> I just wanted to work for myself, dude. Like I knew at 16 that I would work for myself and I didn't know how, but I knew I'd work for myself. So I decided, okay, I guess I love hair and makeup. I guess I'll just go to like beauty school. And I thought I was going to be like a celebrity makeup artist. Oh my like, God. We uh, have like the same story. <laughs> right? I remember you were saying. <laughs> we talked about this when she, when Steph was on my podcast and it's like so similar. It's cool to like hear the other side of it. Cause I tried not to divulge too much there so that you guys could have like different stories to tell, but there are, our stories are so, so similar. So the makeup artist thing like you, um, I thought I was going to move to LA. Like I wanted my graduation present to be a ticket to LA and help with rent for an apartment. And, um, then I fell in love with a boy and I stayed. So I did not go to LA and I stayed in Louisville and, um, I got a job, you know, managing a tanning bed here locally and, like just kind of figured it out. And I had a restaurant business. I was like waiting table or a restaurant gig and I was waiting tables and then bartending. And then I got pregnant. I got pregnant by a different, like that first love we broke up and then I was stranded here in Kentucky and I was like, now what do I do? Um, and then I got pregnant when I was 19. Mm. And so all the hopes and dreams of maybe one day I'll move to California was like, nope, you're never going to do that. Like, mm. I was like, well, I don't know how to start a business. I don't know what to do. And so I just did the responsible thing. And after I became a mom, I was still bartending, but it wasn't serving me to like, I didn't, I was never with my kid on the weekends. And I was like, I think I need to do the responsible quote unquote, air quotes thing and go do the corporate job. So there's a major like fortune 50 company here in Louisville. Um, they're the number, like number two, I think employer, the two top employers here are UPS and, um, Humana and Ford trucks. And I was like, well, I'm not going to build trucks. My mom did that for like 13 years. And I was like, I'm not going to do what my mom did. She was like the blue collar worker. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I'm not working UPS because the only incentive people go to work at UPS is because they pay for college. And I was like, well, there's nothing I want to go to college for. And so I did the corporate thing and I applied 17 times to an entry level position before I got hired because Humana was a great, yeah, it was a great place to work at the time. And I applied 17 times. I got told no 16 times and started on the phones, entry level, minimum basic, you know, 30K a year salary, full time. And within nine months, you're spo- I was in like a one-year contract. Like I had to be on the phones. I couldn't apply out. I couldn't get promoted for a whole year. I had to commit to a year being like the worst job in the whole company, <laughs> basically. And I got promoted within nine months. And so I was like, okay, great. And then the next year I got promoted. And then the next year I got promoted again. And by the time I was 24, which I had started there at 21, and I bought my first house at 21 because I was a mom at that point and did the whole grown up thing, didn't go out and party really. And then um, at 24, I got promoted to managing my first call center. So in managing my first call center, I started learning leadership development and coaching. 
And I started reading all these personal development books and I started learning how to teach my supervisors how to be really good leaders. And I did a lot of public speaking. So I would travel to all these call centers and give them the go team Humana speech. And you can do this. I know this job is hard. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. And I would tell my stories and my call center started to blow up. So here I was 10 years younger than every other leader in my department. And everyone thought, oh, well, she's pretty. Who did she sleep with? Or how did she get this job? Mm-hmm. Like she's the youngest person in this role. I was like, I don't, they, I was very public with the fact that, yeah, I don't have a degree. I just work my way up the ladder. And people are like, well, she must know someone or she must have slept with someone or people thought she was cute. And that's how Mm. she got this job because I was traveling, getting all the points and the first class flights and the expense account and, you know, had this fancy corporate job and I was making great money. I was making like 60 K a year at the time, which for my age was like, all my friends were just graduating college with degrees Mm -hmm. that were making like half of that. And And a lot of debt probably too. (laughs) And a ton, like exactly a ton of debt. And I did have like hair school debt with like 10 K, but which I paid off pretty early. Um, But like I worked my way up and once you, I started realizing the power was in the people and I started loving on and nurturing and, and growing and developing and being invested in the future of the people, my call centers went from being, my, my first call center went from being one of the low performing ones to the number one call wow. center out of like 15, 16. At the time, they're like, all my peers were like, she comes in and goes as she pleases. She never shows to work, up to work early. <laughs> like she always leaves early. And I was like, I never like turned in the data or do it like the reporting stuff that we were supposed to do. I just spent all my time with the people. And that's where I learned that I could invest in people and see results. And I learned how to be a really great coach there. Then I got married and had my son and I didn't want to travel anymore for someone else's pocketbook Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically. And so my husband and I, you know, I talk about privilege a lot and my privilege was that my husband had a really good corporate job. And I was able to leave my corporate job to stay home with my son. And I started doing network marketing. And so that's where I learned online marketing and sales and social media and content creation and systems and analytics and community building in the Mm -hmm. virtual space. And then pairing that with my corporate leadership development experience, I was able to grow that Beachbody business pretty successfully and a year or two, but like I was not a lot in alignment with not network marketing. I'm a huge advocate for network marketing, but, but Beachbody specifically, I wasn't in alignment because I wasn't showing up and actually sticking with the workouts and being Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't embodying what it meant to be a really good fitness coach. Cause mama mama likes her wine. Like I was like, (laughs) not the typical, like, I'm really passionate about health and wellness, but for the longevity of my body, for the self-care aspect, for, I was really into the food side of things, but exercise has always been for me, like fun. How can I get outside and play a sport and be in movement or athletic and sticking to these like routines and workouts was always like harder for me. And I wasn't great at that side of things. So you really have to be a product of the product. And I wasn't really embodied in that. And so I knew that I was meant to help people start businesses because people, when I was doing Beachbody, all these other local moms started coming to me, like, how can you help me? You've blown up this Beachbody thing. Can you blow up my business? And I have an event business or I have a brick and mortar. Can you help us with marketing? And so I would go to these local brick and mortar places and help them with their marketing plans. Hmm. 
And then after a year of imposter syndrome of saying, I'm afraid to do this. Well, what will people think? Because I'm not making six figures a year in my beach body business yet. I can't be a business coach. I can't teach people with their business. A lot of people deal with that same thought, right? It's so stupid though. Like who, who crowns you as qualified to be able to serve based on the dollar amount that you make? I had people with no business or brand new businesses that had never even heard of social media content creation and didn't know what they needed to post on the internet. And I was helping these real women, these moms, my first clients were all like stay at home moms or brick and mortar stores or event planners. And those were my first like testimonials. I helped my, one of my first clients was a cheesecake business and I helped her. She has a multiple six figure, half a million dollar a year cheesecake business now. (laughs) And awesome. So it wasn't like I decided to become this business coach for a bunch of coaches. It was, I started with real people where I was because they saw me as two steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then so quickly, because I had a small following with Beachbody, it blew up. Um, I was making 10K months from the beginning of starting that business. And then it quickly grew to six figures in six months, then multiple six figures the first year. And then we hit a million dollars in year two. And now, that's now awesome. here we that's are. That's amazing. So, so you, you really pivoted from Beachbody to business coaching when you first started your brand as Slay a coach. Slay coach. Did that just come to you? Like the whole Slay coach thing or like, like did that kind of evolve as you kind of stepped into it? Yeah. Well, I think you kind of really get me in the fact of wanting to really stand out and be on your own person, like yourself, just really authentic to myself. And at the time I didn't really feel brave enough to be just me. And I was really building my beach body business in a way that was mimicking what I saw success looked like. I was a blonde fitness coach. I was doing all the things, posting all the sweaty selfies. And that really wasn't me. Um, so I knew when I pivoted, I had to come out coming hot. Like it had to be different. It had to not, I had to be very clear that I'm no longer available for this old version of me. I am no mm-hmm. longer her. So I created this alter ego based on the me being the asshole rebel that I am, which is a contradiction in my human design so much. So I have a, like this really weird contradiction in my human design where I'm meant to be a rebel and unique, but I'm also the innovator who takes current existing ideas and makes them her own and makes them really unique and fun. So it's mm. like this current what paradigm of like, design? I'm a sacral generator. Are you a two, four? I'm a four, six. Okay. I knew you were a four something. Yeah. I could just tell. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I mean, and I also like, I'm learning, I'm still new to human design, but once I learned that like a year ago, I was like, oh, this makes sense. I take things like Steve Jobs didn't invent the cell phone or even the smartphone. He just, he invented the smartphone the way that we know it. He wasn't the mm-hmm. first person to say, hey, maybe we could put a camera on this phone. <laughs> like there were already phones, flip phones with cameras at the time. He was just, there were already phones with games on them. He just took these phone, like these phone concepts and made them something new. And so that's like my zone of genius. So I saw um, everyone in the coaching world, like their brands were Ashley Smith coaching, mm-hmm. Sarah Smith coaching. And I was like, that's lame. So <laughs> I'm, I had already, I really knew how to create an alter ego for myself. Cause I had done that for all my speaking engagements when I was in corporate. I was like, okay, I have to pretend to be this next level self. Here's my persona that I'm creating for myself when I go to do speaking engagements. And, and so when I was like, well, if everyone else is such and such coaching, what do I want to embody? And I was like, well, what makes people feel 
all feel excited. I was like the word slay. It was a buzzword at the time. And I was like, well, I come from a really diverse background. My high school sweetheart was black. I ran around in circles that were very diverse growing up. And I wanted to make, I knew as a white woman that my blonde whiteness didn't feel inclusive to women of color or different backgrounds or socioeconomic statuses. So I use the word slay to relate to women of all different backgrounds because I was like rich white women use it, you know, poor white women use it, people in my community, people of color use that word. And so I I saw the word as a connector between all spaces. And I didn't want to be seen as this blonde, white, preppy, like fitness coach anymore. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to teach women how to slay, slay their life, slay their business. I was like, I'll just be the slay coach. Mm. And then that, that was, uh, and then I also created the networking series at the exact time, same time, because at the time I saw a hole in the market where there weren't networking events for women who wanted to get started in business or who didn't know how, or who felt included. It felt like you need a business card. You need to know what you need. Like I was in network marketing and I never went to any local networking events because I thought, well, they're not going to take, take me seriously. I'm just a network marketer. Wow. And so we created Chardonnay and Slay, which is now called Slady Boss Social Club. Um, and that blew up. We opened chapters in multiple cities. That's and so cool. Yeah, it's really fun. We just brought them back. Yay. That's but so awesome. It all kind of started at the same time and it just like all blew up. And it, yeah, I want to talk about like like more more about the the pivot you made. Like you said, you just basically decided to, to come out as this like alter ego version or next level version and go all in and with all this stuff, like what, what, what would you say to someone listening who maybe is at a place on their journey, their entrepreneurial journey where they've been doing the thing for a while and putting themselves out there and they feel like they're ready to like really go all the fuck in on their next level, but they're maybe nervous or scared to fully own it in a way that, um, is going to be impactful. I hear this a lot and I've been through it a lot. So, and I might have an alternative, uh, suggestion that not a lot of people might tell you. Um, so Obviously, there is that decision that everyone talks about, but it's hard to understand that until you've really made that decision and then say, oh, until you've decided then and then really gone all in, it's it's nice for people like me to sit here and say, all you have to do is decide and decide and it's going to work out. And you're like, bitch, I am deciding. Like it's not, <laughs> like until you've actually done it and then gone all in with something, a decision you, you look back retrospectively and saying, oh, it was a decision. I decided to go all in. But that's not something you can relate to or understand fully. It's like me telling you how much you're going to love your children when you have children. You can't feel that love until you like meet that person. And like, oh, it's so great being a mom, but you can't understand that. I can't like convey that with words in a way that non-parents would understand that. Mm-hmm. Just the way that I can't convey with words you just have to decide and you'll understand it if you haven't actually had one of those life-changing decision moments. But you can maybe look back at evidence and say, when did you decide you were done with this relationship? Or when did you decide that you were done you know, drinking alcohol? Or maybe it was a food thing. Or when have you made a really key clutch decision for yourself in your past life where you can relate to, oh yeah, I remember being so fucking done with that version of myself. And then 
I made all the changes the next day and I just went all in with this position in my life or this new pivot in my life. And so it's not just in your business, but you really do have to decide that you have to get rid of the hierarchy of success and really put yourself out there in a way that's so fucking vulnerable, that's so fucking scary. And you're, and honestly, I say this, and this is the controversial part that people might disagree with me on, and, and, I've, and I welcome opposition to any opinion because this is just my opinion, but I use so, I, the ego served me so well. And the ego, we, we always are trying to escape our ego. We're always trying to like rise above our ego and enlighten ourselves past the ego when really embracing your ego in a aligned way is really what got me here. And, and proving to myself and to other people. Because in the time when I started this business, I had people telling me, you can't do that. You're not qualified. You don't make enough money to call yourself a business coach. Mm. You're not there yet. And and I said, fuck you, watch me. I didn't verbally say that to those yeah. people, but in my head, I was like, fuck you, watch me. So use your ego. So look back at evidence in your life when you've made a really critical decision, because most of us have made a decision to end a friendship or change schools or leave a city or, you know, move on to new adventures. Every one of us have evidence in our past where we can look back and say, oh, it was just a decision that I made. That means I can make this decision for myself now. Cool. This is the same thing. I just needed to fucking decide just like that. Those crazy ladies said with the crazy <laughs> hair on the internet that said, hey, you need to fucking decide that you're a big fucking deal and go all in. So what I did is then I used the ego to serve me, to be able to serve others. And the fact that I said, okay, here's the three people that told me I couldn't, I'm going to prove them fucking wrong. And I'm going to show them how big of a fucking deal was. And that was ego. That wasn't my highest self of saying, I'm, I'm a big deal. Just like yeah. you are. It was fuck you. I'm going to watch. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to rub it in your face later. <laughs> Not really. I didn't yeah. like rub it in it. I'm like the people, I'm still friends with the people that said, you you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. And mm -hmm. they were never actually saying in a way that was super mean, but the way that I received it in the moment was like, they don't think I'm qualified. What the I'll fuck? show them. <laughs> I'll show them, you know? <laughs> and so embracing your ego for the right reasons, because so many people that have made it to the top have made it there because of parts of their ego that they embraced. But we don't mm. like to talk about that that much in the spiritual community. Yeah. And, and there are parts where the ego has gotten me in a lot of trouble or the ego has needed to take a fucking seat and I needed to sit the fuck down. But I had to embody something outside of myself in order to get a different result than I was currently experiencing in my life. Mm. Ego helped. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that perspective and your experience of it. Like were there certain things that you did or like an, a different energy that you embodied? Like when you, when I'm just like, I'm like literally bringing myself to your, in, in my own my mind to your journey, like of this coming out party of mm -hmm. like, I'll show them. Like what did it look like when you were showing up in that new energy? Like, was there like, can you define like certain things that you maybe felt or said or showed up in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Go back and watch me. I mean, like I invite everyone to publicly shame my old Instagram posts. Feel free <laughs> to share like the Slay Coaches 2017 posts with blonde hair, fitness selfies and be like, what? <laughs> Who the fuck was this girl? Like, 
you see my glow up on the internet and I leave all of those posts up because I want people to see the difference. And I always take some new clients like back through my journey. I'll say, go watch my post from the summer of 2017 and then go read my post from, you can see the decision. You can see the moment in mm. October, November 2017, but also you can visually see it because my hair goes from blonde to purple. So you'll know <laughs> when you're at the right spot, you'll be like, Oh, yeah. she's blonde here. This is the transition period. And I really embraced the alter ego. So I created that, like, like I was writing a book as if I was writing a movie script or something like, here's what the sleigh coach is going to do. Enter scene. <laughs> she is going to look like this. She's going to sound like this. She's going to walk into a room like this. This is the type of language she, that she was going to use. And I had a lot of egoic language in the beginning of fuck you, watch me kind of vibrations, which came from a wounded place of someone told me I wasn't good enough, but it also then attracted such a, a inspired group of people who were like, oh my God, someone told me I couldn't too, or mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't make it. And we, we look at like high vibrations and staying in a high vibration when in reality, the whole, in order to be of service, we have to be able to meet with our language, the people down here, I wish you could see my hands and visually, uh, like I'm vibrationally, we have to, where's my Joe Dispenza book. We got to like meet people with like where they are, where their vibration at like energy is with their words. So if I ever post something that feels like a lower frequency or it's a little edgier or a little like tough or a little like bossy or a little, it's always intentional. And it was then too, it was intentional to bring up the type of people that I want to serve in that moment. So if I'm launching something that's to a person that is a, of a higher vibration or that has been doing this development work for years and understands energy, then my language will be totally different than the person that I'm speaking to when I'm launching a lower cost offer because they're at two different phases and I always want to bring people up and I want to meet people where they are. And if we're not, if we're always our high vibe self, I can't be of service to the people who can't understand that frequency or can't feel it or can't like, so I wanted to be of service to different stages of business and different stages of personal development. So my language then kind of switches between, I never use like, oh, I'm a victim language. I never use that kind of language, but it's, um, it's just a different vibration and energy of how mm -hmm. like, you know what? We're rebels. You know what? People misunderstood us. You know what? We were the ones that people discounted. And that demographic of people is the majority, I think. Yeah. And they are worthy of service too. They are worthy of coming up to where you are. And they're us where we were, you know, so many years ago. So I always remember who was I six years ago and can I speak to her and what she was going through then? If I'm always being my highest vibrational self, I probably can't connect or relate to her. Mm-hmm to bring her up to where I am. And so you're doing that for like the different types of clients that you have in different content that you create. You basically but, bring yourself back to what you felt when you were in that stage based on mm -hmm. like who you're speaking to. Yep. And like, if you look back at a lot of my earlier content, I was speaking to a really beginner audience who had just started their business who didn't, who didn't understand the online world. So it was intentional that I wasn't like, we think like, oh, if she's pointing out or calling out something negative about an industry, she's being a hater. And I'm like, no, she's just trying to connect to, and I don't do like the call out or cancel culture thing at all. I don't mean like, oh, I'm telling you how awful these other people are, but we can point out things that 
we disagree with without being mean or shady or talking down to those people. Mm -hmm. So it's talking to a specific set of people that has a specific set of beliefs, not saying this person's right and this way is wrong. It's just saying your feelings are valid and the way that you do things is valid or the way that you would like to see change is valid. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like validating those people that are not in a frequency of joy, abundance, gratitude, the people that are really often in a frequency of com- comparison, jealousy, not of the frequencies of hate or rage or anger, but the frequencies of like the middle range people, you know, yeah, like, like the self-doubt, imposter yeah. syndrome kind of things going on yeah. there. Mm-hmm getting a little jealous yep. when they see people post about how much money they're making. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. These, they all matter. Like all the frequencies that come through our language, it matters. It's just a matter of like who you want to serve and the type of person you want to be of service to. And I've always wanted to be a person for the, the people, the real people out in the world and bring them to this world and bridge that gap between the 3D and the 5D worlds, if that makes sense. It does. And I love, it's so funny. Actually, that reminds me, I remember a video you made. I don't know how, I just thought it was hilarious. I'm pretty sure it was you. You made this video uh, about like spiritual coaches, like the strategy and the energy, I think, right? A long time ago. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you were like, like making fun so of like, fun. the way strategy side and the way woo side. And I was yeah. like dying. <laughs> it was one of my favorite. It's one of the first times I'd ever attempted like using filters and like a mashup of voices and personas, but it was so fun. It took me forever to edit that. Oh my God. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was so fun. So for those listening, so Jamie made this video basically where she was, um, kind of in a fun way, poking fun at like super, super strategy stuff in the online space and super, super energy, like woo woo stuff. And like the both extremes. Yeah. Well, the and reason I love how why- you blend the two. So yeah, well, I do too. Right. You do too. And I think that's, what's important is that we are having a human experience. I'm not meant to be quantum 24 seven. Like I'm not meant to I am when I'm dead, when I'm not in a physical human body, but I'm meant to enjoy this physical experience, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of the things that comes with learning the lessons we're supposed to learn while we're here in this physical earth. So while I can teach you manifestation, how to, you know, connect to your higher source of power, how to tap into the field of potentiality, but also, and, but also the point of tapping into that is to bring it to your 3d existence. Mm Mm-hmm. But if we're never understanding or relating to the people that are constantly living in a state of three-dimensional world of pain and suffering, and then we're not able to open and tap them into the creation frequencies or the field of potential. And I always wanted to be, I found the scale of emotions. This is the figure from Joe Dispenza's book. And so the, the scale of emotions as the elevated highest frequencies are bliss, freedom, joy, love, appreciation, gratitude, will... And then you start to get to lower frequencies. And then these are the frequencies where I'll write content from. So I'll range from anger, control, power, will. Those are the lower frequencies that I'll write content from. And then the higher frequencies are gratitude, appreciation, love, joy, freedom, bliss. I never write content from a place of lust, pain, victimization, suffering, shame, 
Mm. guilt or fear. So those are the frequencies, the super low frequencies. Those are the survival emotions that are super dense. I don't write content from those places, but I will come down to a frequency to be able to relate to and connect to people that aren't 24 seven trying to feel love, bliss, joy, gratitude, appreciation every day because they're not journaling every day yet. They're not doing the embodiment work yet. They don't understand how to tap into their highest joy on a daily basis or raise their frequency when something real happens in their life. So if we can understand that the human experience, even if you are like Steph and I, or whoever you look up to in the online space, who's been doing this work for a very long time and understands how to pivot their thoughts quickly or how to, you know, tap into something higher vibrationally, even when shit gets rough, that I think in the spiritual world, we often exclude once we've made it or quote unquote made it or mm-hmm. understood the secret or understood how to control our that's frequency. A, I, that's actually a really good point. And actually it brings me to a, like something I would love for you to talk about as well. Like once you're in this place where you've been doing the work for a while, because there's a lot of different people listening to this podcast as well mm-hmm. at different yeah. places of their journey. So you've been doing the work for a while, helping others. You've reached this place where you kind of like, you have your tools, you rely on them. You're human still, obviously. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there can be like what I like to refer to as the curse of knowledge, Mm -hmm. where like you kind of forget that you know these things or understand these concepts that other people don't necessarily know. And it can be like challenging at times to really bring it down into the details for people. Does that make sense? Yes, so much so. But this is literally why I did that trauma certification is because that I realized the people that would come to my world were coming to my world, but I was lacking the balance of emotions in my my deliverable content that Mm -hmm. they were like, my content was always deliverable when I'm selling, but when I would get on a coaching call, I would try to keep the container at a certain vibration instead of really coming down to each individual person's frequency and level and understanding and allowing them to be in it instead of Mm -hmm. pivoting or bypassing. So I think the number one key to getting really great results and what I've experienced in the last year of just understanding trauma is that if we can come down to these other frequencies, even when people, when they bought, because what happens is people will buy in at a certain frequency. They'll buy in at a frequency of appreciation, joy, freedom, bliss, gratitude, but then something happens in their personal life and they don't yet know how to pivot as quickly as you and I do, or they're not equipped or they don't have a great support system at the moment other than you. And then they'll go down to these frequencies of fear, anger, control, power. And then we'll be like, wait, what happened? This is not the person I got on the sales call with, or this is not the person that bought this program. And we forget to go come down here and meet them where they are because we want them to rise to us, but they don't have the tools that we have. That's why we're the leader. Mm-hmm. That's why they chose us is that we have the tools, but we, we kind of mistook them and we thought they were more advanced than they were, or they're maybe they, they, they we caught them on a good day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we forget that, Oh, people haven't done as much of this work as we have. They can't pivot as quickly as I can or else they wouldn't be learning from me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So like we have to remember even as spiritual teachers or leaders or mentors or whatever niche that you're in to be able to have empathy and compassion and patience and patience. And then that is the key to getting them the results and to get them back up to a higher frequency quicker. And hold hold space. space. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like like as soon as you were saying, yeah, hold space for people to just really 
rise up into their own greatness and whatever process they need to go through. Yeah. I mean, we're all on a journey. Exactly. Yeah. We've all been on our own journey through our own process. This isn't about anyone being better than anyone. It's literally about rising together and like really creating safe containers for people to do so. Yep. I agree. Which is like the coolest thing ever that we get to do this. But once, but like for me, what happened with me is once you learn these spiritual tools and you've been doing personal development for so long, and then you learn these spiritual tools, I mindset wise escalated very quickly and I grew very quickly, but I didn't take into account early on that people hadn't been doing the work as long as I have. So once I had that Mm -hmm. aha and the awaken, the great awakening, I would wonder why, why is this subset getting such great results? And then why are these few people in the group not getting as great results or why are they leaving or what is happening? I thought they were great. And I, I didn't take into account the holding space for the lower frequencies with patience and not like, let's rush our way into abundance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, a really good point. All of that. Yeah. But you learn, I mean, as you, you know, do this longer and do this work longer and lead people, you know, you realize that, oh my God, everybody really is on a totally different playing field coming in a totally different starting position. And mm. we all have our own and we're all going at different paces. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Um, so I know that you teach a lot about, I mean, you teach a lot about a lot of things, business, launching money, mm-hmm. just being yourself. And, and creating your brand and all that stuff. I would love to, like, how do you personally, you personally and how do you teach your people, like how to balance the masculine and feminine when it comes to marketing and strategy? Because there's a lot of women entrepreneurs out there and I've totally been there. I mean, I was all about the hustle mode in the beginning mm-hmm. who are in like heavy in the masculine and the doing, 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 doing um, versus the allowing and receiving and Mm -hmm. letting it be easier and more in flow. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to really find what's going to keep you in your magic. And so this is where I think a lot of spiritual and myself included leaders who now I've in the last year, I've found such great balance with it, but I didn't for like the first two years, I would go on this pendulum swing of like super masculine, super strategic, and then super feminine and super woo. And I would go back and forth thinking one or the other was what, what I was missing. And in reality, it was being able to integrate and embody both at the same time. And it's like, it's like saying like when you're doing a yoga pose, it's like, what's more important is it more important for me to keep up with the teacher or is it more important for me to do the form right? And, and both matter. It's like, okay, we still want to stick with the class, but it doesn't matter if we're not getting results in our bodies, if we're not holding the, the poses properly. I mean, that's not like the best analogy, but like they both matter, <laughs> the feminine yeah. and the masculine matter. And I think you need to really understand what I was doing in the spiritual realm was saying, oh, well, every time I dive into the strategy, it's taking me out of my magic. It's taking me out of my my femininity. It's taking me out of my creative flow. It's taking me out of... And then really asking ourselves, what am I putting off in the strategic and calling it alignment? 
So what am I putting off in the masculine world by calling it alignment Mm. and looking at your feminine energy? How can it be supported by a quick burst of masculine intentionality? So I no longer use in my teachings, I'll say strategy, but when I'm saying it, I'm saying reframe the word strategy to intentionality Mm. and pausing because it's actually not super masculine when you sit and think about I just need to be present with this. I need to sit with this discomfort for a little bit. I need to be present with figuring out the pieces that are going to be structurally sound for my company to be able to be duplicatable and scalable and that are going to support my flow later. And we often don't pause to put the things in place to structurally support ourselves because it does take us out of our magic. Mm-hmm. It does make us feel ugh, bogged down and heavier instead of saying, who do I need to support me through this heaviness? Yeah. And for me, that was like a mentor or coach, but it was also- For me, that was one of my copywriters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And copywriter. someone to help actually bring the, uh, the concepts and things down a bit. Yep. Your OBM, like bringing on my husband doubled our revenue just by bringing him on because I wasn't doing any of the masculine things anymore. And I was able to be more in my magic, but also just sitting with myself and really creating something that I was able to stand by. And that for me was a structurally sound business with the right full-time employees, not dicking around with people who weren't a good fit for my company. So bring on the right people, even though it was financially a stretch at the time, bring them on because I was bringing on a lot of full-time support and looking at, okay, what am I going to be able to launch rinse and repeat? And how can we create a process or how can my husband create a process or someone else on the team create a process that's going to be duplicatable for our team so that I'm not constantly reinventing the wheel because what happens if you don't have that masculine support and strategy for me personally, is that if something in my personal life would happen during the planned time of launch, my energy would get fucked. And then I couldn't rely on my energy in that moment to sell. So the Mm. launch would suffer based on my energy, or I'd have to postpone the launch so that it didn't suffer because of something in my personal life happened because I didn't have the structural support in place to be able to launch, not just solely based on my energy. Yeah, it does. It does a lot because like, um, having that structure and the intention and and the, that allows you to relax and ease into more of the feminine flow. Um, I know for myself too, like once I started to, um, get support, uh, for things that were just not my zone of genius, specifically when it came to launching, I, it just was felt so much better and more had more peace of mind knowing that there was things set up to allow me to stay in my zone of genius during a launch which is showing up on video answering questions like you know like the -hmm. things that really move the needle forward beside the little behind the scenes shit that just for me just really is a lot it can be i was always super resistant to a schedule Mm -hmm. so i went the extreme other end of the spectrum and i planned out a whole year of launching. I'm going to launch this in this month. And it spent, wow. I spent three days planning out a whole year. And then I sat down and said, wait, um, and by month three, I didn't want to do, I was a different person then. And I didn't want to do. So what we do now is we do quarterly business reviews. Like I did in corporate America. So we do quarterly business planning with my team and we have weekly team meetings, but I don't show up to the weekly team meeting every time. It's 
my team that's meeting together, which is great because I don't have to be on some st- super strategic call. Um, but I we run these quarterly planning meetings where we reevaluate what we're going to launch the next three months. So now I only think and plan out three months ahead to allow space for my creative flow because I was so resistant to planning. And then when I did plan, I didn't stick with the fucking plan. Same, same. I think it's just some people are just really creative. Right. (laughs) And like, I think that if three months planning works for you, fucking awesome. If a year planning works for you, go do that too. Mm -hmm. Like whatever floats your boat. Yeah. But for me, I remember having mentors that said, well, just do whatever feels good, whenever feels good, or just work whenever you're feeling on. And for me, that felt so bypassing to the fact that I was a mother of three children whom I put first before my own desires and needs. Mm-hmm. And you so we have to have somewhat of a, a plan, you know, but I, I'm not, I'm naturally really strategic in my brain, but the ADD of the planning, like of the checking off all the, Mm. or seeing a massive plan gets me so overwhelmed. Like I'm able to think out for stuff. I played chess. So like I'm in the chess club. Fun fact. Don't I look like someone in the chess club? No. (laughs) Right. I was in the chess club. Fun fact. Um, but like, I think super strategically long-term, but when it comes to doing the work and sitting down to implement the plan that I just wrote out, I get so overwhelmed Mm. and it it used to take so much out of me, but now I have someone else to say, Hey, so-and-so is going to write these emails. You're going to approve. So-and-so is going to send out the, you're going to approve. And I I have people doing that too. And I I feel like I'm like relating to everything that you're saying, like with how you're describing that too. But isn't it funny how you go through that? Pe- I'm so glad. It made me feel so good when you agreed with that. The pendulum swing of like super woo now, super <laughs> like strategic. Yeah. Oh, I've even done that with the mentorship too. I've been like, okay, well now I need a mentor that's super like this. And now I need a mentor that's super like this. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. It's gotta be a balance. I've been working with a lot of um, s- spiritual mentors recently over mm-hmm business stuff, shamans and my vocal transformation coach. And right. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, with a trauma certification right now, and that's my mentorship is, you know, being held in this by this trauma coach. And that's been super healing and amazing, but this isn't my first time. I haven't had like a super strategic mentorship presence in my life and it feels Mm -hmm. great, but also it feels like the I'm just at that balanced place now where like, I don't want to say that it, quote unquote, I've made it, but like, I really do have the, the team. I just want everyone to know that it's possible <laughs> to be supported in the masculine with people who are able to see things and implement things in a way that overwhelms my creative, mm-hmm. but also to be super spiritually supported. But that for me has always been the first priority. It's yeah. like, how's my energy? Because when I, my copy and content that I write, isn't going to convert if I'm coming from a frequency of power or control when I'm supposed to be launching a program or product that's targeted to people who are in frequencies of joy, bliss, freedom, like it won't convert. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love the way that you explain the way that you create your content too. Yeah. Depends on what program I'm launching. You'll hear different phases of my frequencies. And I, well, I just have to tune into them and who they are and where they are. And yeah, I'm going to go into your Instagram and check out when you made your shift. I'm excited to see all that. 
Uh, you'll be able to like see different posts when I'm launching like my mastermind or private coaching. It's a total different vibe than me launching my baby grape, you know, getting started 90 day business accelerator. Yeah. It's just different people. They have different frequencies and feelings and different levels of how long they've been doing this work. And yeah. I, I love that you're speaking on this too, because for people listening, like it's because I, I hear a lot of people get really hung up depending on where they're at on their journey in like the niching down thing of like, I need to be super specific and talk to this specific person only. And y'all, yeah, obviously it's like really important to understand who you're talking to. It doesn't mean that there are not different people on different stages of their journey that you, it doesn't mean you can't talk to those people. It's just getting clear, like you said about, okay, who am I talking to for this particular post or for this particular offer? Um, and channeling that energy. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see in recent times, my content is we've, we've pivoted our ideal client for our offers when we pivoted last year and we've simplified our product suite this year. So we've taken out a lot of products that we're not going to be relaunching anymore um, because we're serving, we want to serve a larger scale of people because I'm not doing the higher end masterminds right now and I'm not doing the Mm -hmm. private coaching right now. So we're scaling our lower ticket product suite. So our content right now is going to range from a a frequency of maybe they're scared, maybe they're worried, maybe they're frustrated. And it's speaking to those pain points so that they can feel, it's meeting them so they feel understood, so they feel Mm -hmm. seen, so they feel heard and validated. Because when you can validate their feelings, they're going to invest in you. And for me, it's we've niched down. I don't like the riches are in the niches. The riches are in the messaging for that specific product and offer. So if you can create four avatars, here would be my that's Three so tips. funny. I have, I have four. We're actually literally releasing a quiz soon on where are you on the spiritual boss babe journey? And there's four That's different. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like where are you? And so we started that years ago at our networking events. It was baby grape because it's called Chardonnay and Slay. So it was baby grape fermenting full-fledged bottle of wine and then boss babe Bordeaux. Oh my God. I love it. And so when I would create my programs, I'd be like, well, this program's for these two people or this one person. And then these programs are for these two people or this one person. Then you can really niche down your content for who you're speaking to and your product suite can full scale service and help them elevate to each stage. And that's what I think is a really well-developed product suite. For us, we've now micro niched a little bit more than I ever have before out of my own need to relinquish some of my creative side in order to be more present with my children. So I've tapped more into my masculine and intentionality, not strategy, but the intentionality of anchoring into more of masculine energy to be able to be of service to a larger range of people so that I can be more, or not a larger range, a larger group of people so that I can be more present because I'm not doing the higher ticket stuff right now because I want to spend more time with my children. So we've niched down our avatars to, we don't really have any offerings going on for our top two avatars. So our product suite is now bundled into the education space in the group facilitation space to facilitate transformation for these two stages of business. Mm. That's awesome that you're like pivoting based on your goals and where you're at right now. And you're just like- Yeah. Because when you're um, a creative. Oh, I know. <laughs> right. My husband will be like, rain it in, babe. Rain it in. I'm like, well, we can have to program on this and this and this. 
is that in the quarterly business plan? I'm like, no. He was like, is this going to over, and those are the questions. Yeah. Is this going to overwhelm you if you're also doing all of these other things? And I was like, okay, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That you have like a running grounded. list. Yeah. I still have a running list of like, okay, so this is the program. Whenever oh my I God. I literally have note, notes and notes and notes in my phone of like full blown like ideas, program things. And it's just, it's, it's funny. Are you a generator too? I am. Yeah. Okay, I'm six so- too. Yeah. So when you're a generator, you have a million amazing ideas. It doesn't mean that we need to create every single one of them as a product. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's so hard not to, I get it. It's so hard not to run with all of these ideas, but if you're doing everything, you're doing nothing really well. Mm -hmm. And you get burnout and it leads to burnout. burnout. And then you you start to resent your own business. You can. Well, I resented my own creativity, my own brain, my own ADD doesn't think the way that I I resented that for so long instead of like embracing it. And I was like, Jamie, maybe you could just go make some fucking jewelry again. Like I used to make jewelry too. Release. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I used to make these pendants. Oh, I remember that. I think, oh my God. So funny. <laughs> but you're, we're creatives. We're yeah. supposed to, but maybe I could funnel that. What I've been doing is funneling it into my nutrition. I even have like a secret TikTok account. Um, <laughs> about like food videos. It's like not me. It's just like, Oh my God. That's awesome. Like meal prep and recipes. So I've been like funneling my own creativity in other ways to be able to like, so I'm not like, right. You know, so I don't, cause I get distracted. I want to, I want to do all the things and launch all the products and services. And, yeah. But then I don't do any of them well when I do that. So I have yeah. to rein myself in. It's like just learning how to manage your own energy too. Yeah. Knowing, knowing thyself. <laughs> yes, that's number one. Well, man, I feel like we covered so many things in this. And Jamie, okay. this was awesome. Like, I feel like we could go on forever in a day. Like, <laughs> um, but where can people find you so they can learn more about the things that you're doing and offering and sharing and like really get into your world if they don't know you already? Well, I'm just super grateful to be here and I love you so much and I can't wait to connect in the real world, um, hopefully this year sometime. Um, You can find me at The Slay Coach. Um, Actually, we have a new account as well for our like growth hacks, business tips. It's more strategic. It's called The Slady Boss, S-L-A-D-Y Boss Social Club. And that's also where we'll post stuff about our networking events um, and the podcast, but it's going to be more the how-to, whereas my, the Slay Coach account is more like empowerment, be your best fucking self, boss ass bitch energy, but we have both of those, but I'm so grateful to have been here. Sweet. I'll put those links in the show notes as well. And thank you so much. Like this was awesome. Thank you for taking the time to share your magic and energy with everyone and with me and I'm so excited for to, to, see, to meet you in person too and to hang out and to just keep oh, slaying. Also, find Slady Boss Radio to hear Steph's interview on my podcast oh, as well. yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Thank you. Thank you, love. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day.